Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 41! Yay! If you're new to the podcast, thanks for joining us. If you're a longtime listener, you know I love you. So, here's our drill. Go to my website for all of the show notes, elizabethrfuller.com. While you're there, stop, look. Check out my amazing photography. Yes, I'm a food and product photographer, and I specialize in commercial and editorial photography. I can make everything that you do look even better. So hit me up. I would love to work with you. You have questions for the podcast. Do you want to be on the podcast? Shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, tag me in all of your super fun food adventures at Let's Go on a Food Adventure on Instagram. All right, let's go on a food adventure. So how you guys doing? What we've, what have you done this weekend? What have you been up to this week? Tell me everything. I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Um, totally enjoying and embracing the fall. Not ready for the like 50 degree days quite yet. Um, we've had a couple of super cold days here and like rainy cold, but, uh, I'm into the 70 degrees a day during the day and like 50 at night. That's my jam. That's why I lived in San Diego for so many years. But now I'm just embracing like the four days we have that are like that here in uh, New England. And so there you have that. It is Oktoberfest season. If you're into beer, now is the time. <laughs> now is the time to embrace drinking a lot of beer. A lot of my favorite breweries in and around New England have been hosting many Oktoberfest celebrations. Um, I could sit here and name them all off, but you, if you live in New England, I'm sure you've participated or seen or been a part of. Um, they're super fun. I mean, who doesn't like to eat big, soft, warm pretzels dipped in beer cheese and mustard and then drinking just like a gorgeous crisp or caramely or malty or whatever kind of beer tickles your fancy. And we're talking about beer right now because, and apparently I love beer on this podcast because I've interviewed now. This is my third brewery. Um, I know, it's crazy, right? But yeah, I embrace, I embrace all types of food adventures and this one being beer. But this one's even more near and dear to my heart because... Well, let's just get into it. All right, all right, all right. So this brewery was founded about 10 years ago by Annette and Nicole. On the seacoast, this beautiful picturesque location in the tiny little seacoast that New Hampshire has. They, get this, acquire a hundred percent. Let that sink in for a second. A hundred percent of the ingredients for their beer are within 200 miles of the brewery. That's incredible. They have a beautiful 12-acre farm. They have an incredible restaurant that has yummy, yummy food and a very big passion for what they're doing. 
They have persevered in a completely male-dominated industry and really helped empower more women to join them in doing what they're doing. Again, they are absolutely incredible women. Their beer is super delicious. And please, without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Nicole from Throwback Brewery in New Hampshire. Hey, Nicole, how's it going? Hey, Beth, good. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, thanks for being here. I am so, so excited to talk to you about the brewery, the restaurant. I am from New Hampshire. So being a fellow gal, a New England gal who is from New Hampshire, I love supporting New Hampshire businesses. So this is such a thrill. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. So now where are you? I know you're not originally from New Hampshire, but where are you from originally? Because I know your your roots are New England, right? Massachusetts? Yeah, Yeah, I grew up in Western Mass. So I grew up in uh, Longmeadow, which is a suburb of Springfield, and uh, I still have a lot of family out that way. Mm-hmm. Like my cousin, Andrea, she started and owns Valley Mall. She's in South Hadley, so oh, I cool. out that way fairly often. That's awesome. And it is a, for people who aren't familiar with that part of Massachusetts, it's so beautiful. It's like East Longmeadow, Longmeadow, all of that is on the cusp of the Berkshires kind of. And it's just, or is it in the Berkshires? Is it considered part of the Berkshires? No, it's before it's the, it's the Valley before the Berkshires. Yeah. It is so, so beautiful. It's kind of farmlandy, but there's still, you've got like this cool influence from Connecticut as well as Massachusetts. You guys are like on the cusp of kind of a little bit of everything. You get like a little New York vibe because people from New York come over yep. and they, yeah, you know, so it's yeah. like this cool dichotomy of different people. And it's not like I pack the cat and have a yard kind right. of no. Boston no. vibe, you know, like yeah. when, when people say Massachusetts, they automatically go right to Boston, you know, and you're like, yeah, no, we don't have different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And now we're going to get into the brewery and the farm and all of that. But what did you do before diving into beer? Yeah, I spent the vast majority of my career in software. I was a software product manager. And um, so like w- way back, like I uh, went to college in New Hampshire, I went to Dartmouth. I didn't really know what I really wanted to do just say I wanted to quote like get into business yeah for sure (laughs) my dad was like such a great businessman and I was really inspired by him and like you know he talked we talked business all the time and I joke like I'm a business nerd like I just (laughs) love like talking business with people and so I was an economics major because it was a liberal arts school and didn't know what I wanted to do. Anyways, I ended up becoming a computer programmer, which sounds strange, but I interviewed with a consulting company and they were looking for people that could talk to other people because they basically used to hire a bunch of developers and the developers would be in front of customers and couldn't carry on a conversation. So they decided to go the other route. Find people <laughs> like me that are like outgoing and sort of gregarious and that they took it, I took a test and so I had an aptitude for programming. So anyways, I, I did that for four years and then I went back to Dartmouth for business school and then immediately got into software product management in the Portsmouth area. Mm. Um, worked for a company, got acquired by IBM and sort of before um, uh, starting the brewery, I worked for IBM and uh, did that for almost 10 years. 
Wow. And that, I mean, it's so vastly different from, in a way, from what you're doing now, what you're doing now is still business oriented. Don't get me wrong and analytical. Yeah. And there's a lot of the skills I'm sure you've acquired throughout your lifetime that you're totally applying right now yeah. in your current lifetime and what you're doing, but it's still like you go from super, <laughs> I mean, don't, I don't, I hope I don't offend you by saying this, but like kind of nerdy business analytical people to now being in this hyper creative still on the nerdy vibe of like there's a lot of molecular stuff going on and you're still dealing with analytics and stuff like that but it's almost two totally different worlds in a yeah, way it's two, it's two different worlds but the same skill sets um right totally yeah so like I used to um you know design new products my when I first uh, when got we got acquired as first started working at IBM, I had a boss who was like, okay, you're the startup person. And I have these ideas. And then you go like, start them up type of thing. Oh my gosh. And um, <laughs> so that was perfect for me. Cause I didn't like the big process. Uh, and like, you know, all of the heavy equipment, if you will, that comes with like IBM, right. It's just so big. and so mm -hmm. hard to make it happen. Um, but like at the end of the day, like I presented on stage and talked about products and design them and uh, describe them. And I, so I kind of do the same thing. It's just for a product I really love now. That's so awesome. Yeah. So speaking of products that you really love, yeah. how did the stars align for you and your business partner, who's happens to be one of your closest friends on the planet, yeah. decide to buy this property in New Hampshire and turn it into a brewery? And like, what made you guys want to do this in the first place? Well, okay, so I blame Annette, and that's, and that's my co-founder. <laughs> and um, yeah, we met like eons ago playing rugby in, in Boston. And I went off to business school. Um, she also um, ended up going to New Hampshire, uh, the other side of New Hampshire, Portsmouth. Uh, she was an engineer. And so I ended up moving back to Portsmouth area and, you know, we started home homebrewing and this was probably like early 2000s because she worked with a bunch of engineers as you probably know right like a lot of um homebrewers are like engineer dudes like oh like yeah day and because there's so much science to it and so she worked with a bunch of engineers and um this guy <clears throat> bruce used to have a, a a beer fest right nothing very formal it was like bruce a whole bunch of his buddies like in his backyard always in june always a ton of smoked meat, you know, just like <laughs> hanging out, like nothing very. Formal. No, but all those things sound great minus the ton of dudes, but that's right. okay. Like everything yeah. else sounds totally, I'm in. Awesome. Yeah, but it, it was like, you know, you got, you won the category of like dark or light or hoppy. You know what I mean? There wasn't mm -hmm. like styles or anything. And so one year Annette and I were like, hey, you want to like work on a beer together and submit it to Bruce's Beer Fest. And we ended up doing like two or three and uh, the guys are like, ah, everyone comes in and thinks they're going to win. We're like, we don't think we're going to win. We just, you know, want to make some beer and have some fun. Mm -hmm. And then, anyways, like we won two out of the three that year. Then they all end up hating us because we, everyone kept voting for our beers. Um, <laughs> and uh, for, for Annette, like she totally got hooked because she's the MIT nerd, right? She's yeah. the engineer nerd. I'm the business nerd. But she like, it's so funny. If you like look at our bookshelves, like I have all fiction and like, you know, just like fictiony things, right? And her yeah. nonfiction, like that's what she gets her groove on. And so mm. she got every single book known to man on like brewing, 
just deep, you know, when a deep dive on the science for me, I love to cook. So to me, I'm like, oh, we're cooking and I love creativity and coming up with new recipe ideas. And so we just kept homebrewing and again and again and again and kept refining our recipes. So fast forward like 10 years, maybe it was like eight, eight ish years of homebrewing. And Annette says to me, you know, like I'm really sick of my job as an environmental engineer we I could rat hole deep dive on that but mm. you know she's just like I need something different and she's throwing all these business ideas by me about like you know she's like in college I used to sew wedding dresses for people maybe I'll sew drapes I'm like <laughs> no and then she's like well why are oh actually this is like really funny there used to be a uh, a small like boutique grocery store called Philbrick's in Portsmouth and uh-huh. in that location before it opened she was like oh my god it'd be perfect for like uh, like a Whole Foods type of place, right? And anyways, I was like, no, that you're not gonna start a grocery oh store, right? And then she's like, what about a brewery? And I, oh man, like that's it. Like, yes, because you need problems to solve and you love science and mm. I can help you on the side because I love beer, right? I've been drinking beer forever. Yeah. College to learn how to drink beer. Totally, beer. totally. So, um, so that was it. And, and that was... Um, Gosh, I think we started talking about that in like 2008 and ended up getting her uh, web-based certificate from the Siebel Institute. She did an internship at Smutty Nose. Um, We found the space in 2010 and we um, wasn't until July of 2011 that we opened up the door. So we were in a small warehouse in Northampton. We had a three barrel, we call it a Franken system that Annette <laughs> cobbled together with a welder for Maine. Um, and you know, it's how we got going. Damn. And I think we have to tell the listeners it for those who don't know the story of how you found the space. I think it's hysterical. Which the, the first space or the farm? Space? The farm. Okay. So yeah, so we're in the warehouse for like a year and, um, I was still working for IBM because it was at this point, you know, three barrel system, everybody, I'm not going to trade in a, you know, like an IBM executive. Right. A six figure salary right yeah. now <laughs> to dive in on something that's making 15,000 a year. Right. right. So anyways, I'm, um, there's a, at the time, right. Well, there still is right. And from the warehouse, like go across the street, which is route one, pretty big road. And there's this gorgeous, like 1860s farmhouse that uh, had been the Hobbs family since the 17, 1800s. And it went up for auction. And Annette was like, hey, like that's perfect for us. And she's the optimist, like, you know, let's go for it. I'm prefer to call myself, not a pessimist, but more- No, a realist. realist. I'm a realist. Yeah. 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 And, and, but I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's ask a bunch of people. And we asked a bunch of people, like, are we really stupid? And everyone's like, this is, except, well, except my dad was like, I don't think you should do it at first, right? But we asked all kinds of people and they were like, we can't give you a good reason why you shouldn't try. Oh, and we're I like, love that. Okay. So anyways, I hop on a plane. I had a presentation in Munich I had to do. And of course the auction was when I was flying home, right? I had my plane <laughs> So I sent my friend, we had a mutual friend, Catherine. I'm like, Catherine, you're my proxy. Do not let Annette spend more than like 
X amount of money, right? Because she could have spent like two million bucks. I'm like it gets, you, you're excited and the auction's going and yeah, things, auction. people are talking and you're like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> so anyways, so Catherine was me, she did a great job. And I wasn't until I landed and then I like turned my phone on and it was like, bing, 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 bing. Like I got all, all of these like text oh, messages of Annette, like with the, you know, we auction sign and all this other kind of stuff. So we ended up getting that, property 12 acres um right out you know right on the seacoast of new hampshire northampton mm-hmm. and uh annette being the optimist was like okay one year i'll take one year i'm gonna sweep it out it's gonna be great and uh meanwhile like gosh you should have seen the place it, there was a sh- old sheep farm so there's like troughs and hay and oh god i don't know if i can say shit but like yeah you oh no you can swear yeah swear it up shit everywhere right yeah. it was like so the the um outhouse you know oh god there was still like a single seater in, in there oh god and, and uh like corner of the barn was like falling in so anyways um just a I'm little gonna, slice of paradise on the yeah, seacoast of new hampshire but the bones <laughs> right but the bones of the barn were like unreal right and we actually didn't have in terms of the structure we changed pretty much nothing right wow we kept all of the foundation we just had a pointed like this beautiful stone foundation um but it, a lot of it was like cleaning it up um taking down the inner walls like putting in joists that could handle the tons that the tanks would weigh mm-hmm. but the biggest challenge actually was you know we worked with the architects to design what we wanted which was in the lower half it was like the way the land is structured, the quote basement was still open on part to the okay parallel to the land, right? So yeah. like in you're like in the basement. I'm like, great, we'll put the brewery there, we'll have more an event space upstairs. And it didn't appraise because when you put a manufacturing facility in a basement, they're like, this it's not gonna be worth the money you put in. And banks don't give you money based upon your projections, they give you money based upon if you go out of business in a fabulous fashion, right? Right. The assets that are left over, right? They, right. It's all about assets. So um, we, then we were like, okay, we're going to build a second barn. And that was like a million dollars. We're like, okay, it's about the same price as redoing this barn, right? Mm-hmm. And then we were walking through the barn, like this barn is gorgeous. Like the barn we have, it is so beautiful. Like, what are we thinking? And so we went to plan, um, C the third yeah at this point yeah plan F yeah the top of the barn in half the back half is the uh brewery the front half is the restaurant Mm. and it worked out as good as it could have because the original plan that we had had a restaurant in this tiny like maybe 50 people could have oh no no fit in it and because in Annette and I by the way we're doing spreadsheets like man, can we sell like 15 sandwiches a week? Like, I have no idea, which is so comical. Like, because about it now, now you're sold out to get even a reservation. You have yeah. been for years to get yeah. reservations. So, you're so yeah, busy. We, yeah, we sell more food than, than beer, right? Yeah. But at the time, because, you know, when you sell like a bag of chips every three weeks, because people just come in to fill yeah. It's a, it's a hard to wrap your head around. Like, and we have no food, ex- well, besides like being huge foodies, and totally like loving to cook our whole lives. We have no, this is so different than running a restaurant. Yeah. And um, 
so yeah so uh i don't even know what i'm going with no that. i love it i love all of this and so then there you have it like you you now have now fast track so from when you bought the the one spot then it was a year you bought the barn yeah and then I, how long was it before you guys opened the doors the very first day and it took three years okay so and that's amazing it was, our, it was on our fourth fourth birthday why is that so hard to say? Fourth, Fourth birthday. birthday. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. It's a little tongue twister. There's a yeah. lot of syllables. I got too you. Much, too much seltzer today, apparently. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so I put a sign on the warehouse door that said, shh, don't tell anyone, but we're across the street with a I little that. note. And that was on July 4th. <gasps> and um, we, so we celebrate our birthday. That's when we opened. It was on our fourth birthday. We pretty much opened our doors started selling beer around July 3rd, July 4th. Wow. And so when did you quit your job? Uh, we opened on the restaurant and by August 30 Labor Day. Yeah. So Labor Day, six years ago, this is my week, the celebrating my weekend of six years. Of oh my God. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> what? And like, I, I mean, I, I've done it too. Like when you take that leap of true entrepreneurship, when you're like, all right, I'm jumping out of the plane yeah. now. It's scary as fuck. It really like, oh, even yeah. though you guys had everything set up for success, you're like, this money was coming in and now that money stopped coming in and now other money needs to come in. Yeah, like, no, it's immediately completely scary. Uh, on the other hand, like part of me was like, okay, we have millions of dollars of loans now yeah. and <laughs> I need to be here every day to make yeah. sure we pay those loans back. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's to me, the risk it was, you know, I granted, I would have made like way more money and whatever at IBM, but the other half of it is I don't, I don't miss it. Like there's not a day that I miss it. And it's just so much more fulfilling to mm -hmm. do what we do. I know this sounds completely cliche. About, no, not at all. But, but it's like one of those things where I think back, of me being like dialing into a converse call and they're like, you're the 89th caller. Oh. I'm like, why the fuck am I on this conference call? Like, right. like well, there's so many people and just it, the whole different feeling about like working with products that we love and create it being creative, like every single day. And it's also like spreading happiness. Like, totally. and I think that was like way back to Annette's job, you know, when I said she quit her environmental engineering job, a lot of it was, you know, you go into a customer and you're cleaning up a mess that they made. They don't want to pay you. They're not happy to see you. Right. Mm -hmm. And brewing is completely different. Like, yeah, I mean, there's, we, we all know there's the jerks in the world, but for the most part, like people come to brewery and they're happy. Right. And, and if they're not, when they walk in the door, by the time they leave, they are happy one way or another. Let's be yeah. honest. So like, you know, our purpose, we talk about as a brewery is like, you're just spreading happiness and, mm -hmm. and that's like completely fulfilling. And whether that's for customers or for our, our employees, it's just like so much better than, you know, the corporate world. Absolutely. No. And my hat is off to you. I try to do the same thing. And if I'm feeling stuck in a moment or I'm stuck in a photo shoot, or it's just things have not like in alignment and things aren't working. I always ask myself, 
how can I bring more fun into this? Yeah. What can I do that would be more fun? And even if it's like putting on Beyonce or something and dancing for a minute and singing <laughs> yeah. loud, like on my way home from the grocery store, I put on an old Janet Jackson album and I got oh, down yes. with yes. Janet. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, queen. I also watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, yeah. I, I have to ask. I'm a 90s, uh, 90s hip hop kind of person myself. But I love that. I was yeah. rocking out to In Vogue a few there you days go. ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on now. Um, so I have to ask in an industry that is predominantly male, like really male, has it been hard being a female and being taken seriously and like being as successful as you guys are? Um, well, the, the short answer is no, but there's a very much longer answer. Mm. Annette and I, like being an engineer from Annette and me being in software, those are completely male dominated. Um, yeah, for sure. We're, we were used to it. And I think- Which is sad to say, can we be like- No, that, it's completely sad. It's yeah, all, for sure. Like the funnel and like why women like get funneled out of science. Cause it's, it's whether, you know, computer science, like science, science. Yeah. It, same thing absolutely and, and it's, it is really sad and I I know that our industry like has a really uh big problem with behaviors and the way women are treated but the we only have like sort of light examples of of that type of behavior and that was early on and it was mostly around going to trade shows and you walk into a trade show the gift is that you get when you walk in is a beard shaver, not a joke, right? This is at the Craft Brewers Conference. We got a beard shaver, each of us in our in our bag. We're like, okay, so that's the way it starts. And then you're, we're like, okay, we're like shopping for equipment. We wanna get new tanks. And Annette is like the smartest person I've ever met in my whole entire life. I mean, mm-hmm. there's maybe like one or two smarter. And, you know, obviously I don't know everyone, but in my world, she's like the smartest and knows her shit, right? Yeah. So, it's so frustrating to go through um, the conference floor and her trying to ask questions and just being ignored. Yeah. And, but that was, that was um, you know, a decade ago and there's so many more women and that the past couple of times we went, that wasn't the case. But also when we first started, um, boy, like early on, we were, first of all, just to set context, we were pretty much the first like 100% women-owned business, sorry, brewery in the country at the time. Uh, Jackalope also started around the same time. I couldn't find any other like 100% women-owned breweries in the U.S. at the time. So it was not common, right, to have women, you know, running breweries. And we'd go to beer fests. And at the time, like our friend Bruce, who you talked about before, Mm -hmm. would help. And I had a friend, Rich. And like, just remember one beer fest, the New Hampshire Beer Fest, at Red Hook at the time. And all, all the people had all kinds of guys had all kinds of questions and asking the guys and the guys would be like, no, you need to talk to her. And they would ask the other guy and they'd be like, no, you need to talk to her. And there was just like not an understanding that I actually knew what I talked about. Now, 10 years later, that never happens. You know, people are know us, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but also like we, when you start your own brewery and you create your own culture and you set your own values and you hire people based upon talent and drive and like fitting into those values and a lot of those people that fit happen to be women like our culture we just don't have it in our culture right so that's i think the problem with 
a lot of other uh, businesses started, you know, that have different cultures, like those types of things happen. But, you know, because we've created our own environment, like we haven't had experienced misogynistic behaviors or, you know, being demeaned at our place of. I love that. And first, congratulations for setting a new standard in the industry so long ago and like persevering with it because I've been, even this past Saturday, I was at a wine festival networking and I was going up and like handing out my business card and chatting with people. I mean, this episode's going to air in October and you and I are talking now in August, but I got smugged by and looked down upon by 10 different men, vendors there. And I was like, buddy, are you fucking kidding me right now? And like, I've been in sales and doing salesy stuff for so long that I hate to say it. It's such the norm to be ignored, to bear. Like, I mean, these guys wouldn't even make eye contact with me. And I was like, I'm physically talking. Sure. I'm five, five, but I'm talking to you. You do stag like like, really stuff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, screw you and your bourbon, whatever. (laughs) I'm going over here to these ladies. They're nicer, but um, no, I get, I totally get it. So my hat is off to you and Annette, and I can't thank you enough for being such strong female entrepreneurs that all of us can look up to and support you and drink your beer and Really, truly, I, again, thank you. Thank you for (laughs) breaking walls down. Um, Now, in the industry, trends come and go. And I think we need to talk about beer trends. Are there any beer trends right now that you're seeing that you're like, oh God, it needs to go away? Or are there ones that you're stoked and embracing? Oh boy. Um, So that's so interesting because since we've started, like when we were in the warehouse, Annette hand painted something over the brewery sink that said, brew what you love, love what you brew. And Mm. since the very beginning, we just make beer that we love to drink. Mm -hmm. And luckily, like we love a lot of styles. And and when you come into throwback, they'll always be like, I want to have, we have 15 taps, right? I always want to have like two clean and crisp beers at a minimum, right? Like too hoppy, too sour, too dark and roasty. Mm-hmm. at least one malty, like a, a beer that's less than 3%, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to have all kinds of, of beers, but there's certain beers we probably wouldn't do like the, uh, sl- like those slushy ones that you're yeah. like, my smoothie ones that you're like, am I drinking a beer or am I drinking a fruit? Like yeah. Something? Yeah. Yeah. Are those the ones that are fermented with lactose too? Uh, they can be, yeah, they can be have lactose in them, but for, uh, I guess for us, like that trend, like we're happy to let people like push the envelope in certain trends, but it doesn't mean that, and it doesn't really bother us. We're just never going to make it right because we try to get everything from within 200 miles. And frankly, our farm's not going to ever grow that many black raspberries to have, uh, you know, all of it would go into like, probably what they put so much friggin' fruit in it. It'd probably be like one 15 barrel batch. And we'd be like, Oh my God. You you know what I mean? Yeah. So we would rather like spread that around and do like, we have, um, so many cucumbers from the farm. So like we just made a beer called the farm, which was a cucumber mint and lemongrass which you know 100 valley mall and the cucumber mint and lemongrass came from like that sounds delicious with some thai food please oh Oh, my goodness yeah 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 no that would have been perfect with thai food but so that's 
something like that's a trend or like I'm like oh, I could go in I don't really care but what I do like as a trend is the um our Pilsner is our best seller this year wow yeah and we're seeing more and more people like backlash against IPAs now granted like we do have usually like four or five IPAs on yeah it's like people love them. We love our IPAs. And, you know, we have the like West coast double and we, everything down to the new England, mm-hmm. like really hazy, like whatever you guys want, you know, we like them too, but we love our Pilsner, like love our Pilsner. And it's exciting to see people like going back and like ro- over, you know, like if people, there are people that feel like we've over rotated towards hoppy and dank and like mm-hmm. mouthfeel and just are craving a beer, beer, like, uh, a crisp straight up yeah yeah I love that oh I can't wait to come by and have and have some fresh off the tap yeah (laughs) now that you've been doing this for a minute I have to ask is there any advice you'd give anyone who's looking to start a brewery or a restaurant or even a business for that matter yeah um I think the first thing to me is like businesses are very small business is very personal and especially especially breweries are very community oriented and people will get to know you in the community and if they like you they'll support you right so Mm -hmm. I would think to take care and sort of creating your brand and your identity and what you stand for that it's authentic and it's like who you are so for us you know we're like two women that always try to get as much stuff at the farmer's market, like really into sustainability. And so therefore we create throwback. And when people meet us and we can talk about like our hybrid cars or, you know, whatever, like people get the sense that we're being genuine. We talk about like, hey, on our menu, like the whole front half is like from the farm and it's everything has at least one or more multiple or all ingredients grown right here. Wow. It's like that authenticity. And so like our core, like our best customers, like really care about where their food comes from, like what drinks they're putting into their mouth. They care about sustainability. They care about carbon footprint. And so I would say like, if you're going to start a brewery, like what, who are you? Like, what are you all about? Like, what is your why for existing? And I would highly recommend given how personal brewing industry is to make that related to like who you are as a person, right? Make it truly authentic. Like don't start a brewery. Like, like I've seen people, like there's breweries around here that like rip off our messaging. And I'm like, I see the Cisco truck pull up to your (laughs) place, you know, like other people are going to see that too. You know, it's Uh true. Like find another Island that you can call your own. Um, So I think that's like one thing is, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, just be authentic. It all sum it up that way. Be authentic. The other thing, it, especially with the brewery world, is I see a lot. I, I was the president of the New Hampshire Brewers Association for three years, and so I got to know like all the breweries in the state. And I also see like a lot of, um, you know, like the engineering types like starting a brewery and thinking I'm starting a brewery and not I'm starting a business. And I think it's really important to have that business half. And obviously I'm completely biased, but <laughs> I feel like that's a key to like the success for Annette and I is, you know, she nailed all of the like beer stuff and engineering and all the science. And then like, I could work on, you know, the marketing and the branding and the communication and all that kind of stuff in the finance. Um, and it was like a good team and you, you need both. And like, if you don't have the, the, 
business side and understand truly how to like cost out your products, it's not, I mean, it's not going to be good. Like there's breweries not a lot, not around anymore from here that, you know, we'd pitch business and they pitch business and like their price point, like the, I don't know what, you know, you can have the business if you're going to like sell your beer at that price and you know, now they're out of business. So it's like, wow. you know, it's like one of those things where you need, you need both. Um, and then I think the third, if I just say three things, yeah. um, the third thing is like, it's the, you, you know, you have to have good product, you know, you, you have to have like a compelling brand, blah, blah, blah. Like all the things that people tell you when you're starting a business. But to me, like the, one thing I totally underestimated was the cool, like soft skills in the people management and the creating a culture and defining values. And for us, like to me, that's by far like the most important, like, you know, it's getting that core team together that truly is like, you're all aiming for the same vision. Like you, we spend time and effort, like caring about our employees and and, you know, wanting to do right by them and wanting them to grow. And, and, you know, it's like those HRE organizational things that like in business school, like all my colleagues like laughed at, like, oh, we have to take this organizational change class. What a joke. But like, God, like that, those, those are the most important things. Like, you know, talking to people and getting feedback and being open and it's all mm -hmm. the soft stuff that really make it, makes it work. I love that. that. And that's so well said because your business, yeah, you and Annette are the, the top dogs and, and have a very high level view and also a very, you know, macro view of everything going on. But then the people who you encapsulate within your bubble that are helping you push this even more forward are so vital and yeah, so important. And if they're not aligned with what you guys are aligned with, and you guys don't have the same passion and vision, even a small percentage of, of them, you know what I mean? Like they all need yeah. to buy into your vision in order for this to be a true success, which is what it is. And so I think that's very beautifully said. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we have a handful of listener questions that we need okay. to get to. Are you ready to dive in my friend? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Nina from Instagram writes, how do you come up with what beers you want to make? Okay. That's, that's a good question. Um, a variety of ways. Um, we have to factor in, like we have about six beers that we like to have on at all times. For example, if like we didn't have our Hank's pale ale on, people would be mad or a cheek squeezer, which is our kind of sour bomb with cherries. Mm -hmm. or so there's like six beers. We're like, okay, we need to slot those in the schedule and figure out um, when to make them so that we always have them on. And then I referred to before, like our diversity of beers and certain styles. Like we sit down and say, okay, like we have a clean, you know, we only have like too clean and crisp and one of those beers is running low we better make one of those so that we can have beer in that category because our goal is like when people walk in the door that there's always going to be a beer that they like because some people like hate hoppy right you hate hoppy you hate sour don't worry we got you covered with like malty or roasty or mm -hmm. clean or spicy or fruity right so that's another way is by looking at that and the third way is really just being inspired by what's on our farm or inspired by a new style. Cause you know, 
in that those ideas can come from Chris, who's like our head brewer, or Andrew, who's our assistant brewer, or me and Annette, or even our chef Carrie. Um, you know, like, hey, like, why don't we try a blah blah blah? And so we like to um, you know play around, like the cucumber mint yeah. lemongrass. I was like. We're like, we're going to make a cucumber beer. I'm like, can we please add like mint and I feel like lemongrass, right? So I think everyone, it's like a collaborative effort to figure out what to do. And that's so exciting that it's not like, you know, this is what we have to make. This is what needs to be. You guys have that still fun creativity aspect of it where you're like, we have a buttload of cucumbers we really need to get rid of and do something with. They're going in a beer, people. It's going to be tasty. I love that. Dylan in New Hampshire writes, I love buying local produce and I saw you have a CSA pickup at the brewery. Is this your produce? Will you have a CSA for 2022? Yes, um, we do have a CSA. It's 100% our produce. Um, And we're figuring out what we want to do next year. And in the spirit of complete transparency, like hiring farmers this year was near impossible. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to have that same pressure on the farm team because doing a CSA is a lot of work. And so we might do a different form of a CSA where we might sell like farm stand bucks mm. where people can pre-buy and get a discount for the 2022 season and they can go in and that way they can be like, well, I don't like, you put like eggplant and peppers in my box and I don't like it. Like we don't have those problems. I could just be like, all they want are tomatoes. Well, go knock yourself out, you know, like, right. Cause we have a farm stand on the property. Um, the other thing we're thinking about is just cause um, Dylan probably saw the boxes because we line the boxes up inside and pe- we have pickups on Wednesdays and Thursdays. People come in, they pick their box up they can have discounted beer if they want. But we, everyone's always like, Ooh, can I have one of those boxes? So instead we might actually just every week, depending upon what's peak season produce, like assemble a box together and like first come for serve, like, like a bouquet of flowers. Yes, I love exactly. that idea. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's like better. It's, it almost takes the pressure off of you guys. Cause I imagine as a farmer, I'm not a farmer, but as an avid gardener, I have a, a home garden, some seasons shit doesn't grow. Yeah. And like, yeah blight happens and snow yeah. can happen in May and ruin everything. Yep. Thanks mother nature. But like people <laughs> pre buy CSAs. So if yeah. all of a sudden stuff goes South and you're like, we don't have enough vegetables to right. cover this. Like that's yeah. gotta be a ton of stress. It is. So that is stressful. I don't know how we pulled it off this year. Like we have a bounty unlike I've ever seen before, like we've already mm. donated, I think like over $600 of produce to local. That's awesome. And, um, but we have two high tunnels that we finally got going this year. And so we have tomatoes and sweet, those little cute little sweet peppers. They're like two inches tall. And they're yeah, like, so good. Yeah. We just picked like hundred pounds the other day. Oh my gosh. More, but, um, the, I think the stress on the system is a CSA requires variety mm-hmm. and like our kitchen, our kitchen is like, okay, like I want kale and melons and like a bunch of stuff. And in, right now we have so much variety because we need to have that variety for the CSA. 
and we're thinking about next year just optimizing things for the brewery and the kitchen and then sort of present putting in the you know putting stuff in the farm stand but just simplifying it mm-hmm. so it's not such a complexity and a variety of you know yeah totally I agree with you because like you said some people get I've gotten CSAs many times in my life and when you get them you're like I don't like kohlrabi I don't want all this kohlrabi and you're like no takesies backsies you know like it's yours take it (laughs) like who wants kohlrabi yeah and then you get emails like I really don't like eggplant can I get something else and you're like we're such a small team it's like no you have to keep your eggplant or the email, you know, like constant emails from everyone about like, can I pick it up on this day instead of that day? And we finally had to say, I'm sorry. It's, you know, your pickup day is your pickup day. Have a friend pick it up. Yeah. Somebody needs to pick this up. It's I don't care who. And it's your dog can come and get it. It's not yeah. mine. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Um, Jose from Instagram writes, do you grow your own hops, barley, and malt for the beer on the farm? Or do you put, or well, the, you kind of answered this, or do you ever put vegetables or herbs into your beer that you grow? Yeah, we, um, we, so Andrea, my cousin with Valley Mall, like she does a lot of work with the farmers on the barley and the wheat side. So luckily we don't have to worry about that. Mm. She's recently developed a relationship with the Morals Moral Farm and oh my God, the farm is gorgeous. It's like right downtown Concord. And, um, and so hopefully soon we'll be able to fulfill like our vision of having a, like a hundred percent New Hampshire beer, but like we're still using, um, from the Northeast grain shed hops. We do have a hop yard. It's more like ornamental and we're picking mm-hmm. up this week, like you oh, said, cool. of August, early September. We're actually having a mug club event on Thursday about that. But again, that'll just be like a batch or two, um, and but yeah like if there's an adjunct in a in our beer for example like jalapenos um that'll be from new hampshire from our farm um that we talked about the farm beer but we just made a beer called god oh it was a sangria it was a sangria sour Ooh. chris went into our freezers and he like and that's like leave me some fruit but he like we have red grapes green grapes red currants white currants, raspberries, black raspberries, wow, uh, blueberries, uh, like all from our farm, right. That went into that beer. And, um, we, I bet she's a pretty beer when you, yeah, that that was a very, very pretty beer. We, you know, we have other, um, herbs that like we've used in beer. Like we've done uh, strawberry lemon basil recently that, um, was a big hit. Yeah. Or we definitely use herbs in, in beer. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Okay. This one, I'm just gonna, I gotta say it. This is my husband's question for you. He's an executive chef. So it's obviously a very chefy question. Okay. Okay. So Todd in Massachusetts says he, he loves to throw in a question in every interview. How much does the culinary team and the brew team collaborate together on what you will be serving and brewing? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very chefy question. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel like a lot of the true magic of what we do comes when like the farm and the kitchen and the brewery like are all working together mm-hmm. in sync. And it's, I mean, we have weekly meetings between all of us uh, every Wednesday at noon, like we all get together. So there's that weekly like interaction. Um, but a lot of times, you know, we're, 
making beer, but we're very cognizant about like, we always talk about what food to pair it with. Mm -hmm. And it's not unless we really do beer dinners or our cheese chocolate and beer dinner, stuff like that, that we more sit down and sort of like really go taste like every, like the cheese thing, especially we go get a whole bunch of cheeses and we sit with the brewers and we taste like every beer with like every cheese um, just to make sure we we're nailing the experience. But I think we're, um, you know, besides like the typical collaborations that we do like on a weekly basis, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not, yeah, it sounds like you guys kind of work very symbiotic, symbi yeah. symbiotically. Yeah. Um, and it, th there has to be collaboration. I would imagine it's not like your departments are siloed, like you right. definitely work together. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think it shows in the product and it reflects in the menu and how it all is very cohesive together. So Good job, sister. Todd will approve. <laughs> ben in Massachusetts asks, what's your favorite beer that you make? Oh, boy, Ben. I know, Ben. Picking a favorite child. Ben, I know, right? Uh, gosh, I never answer this one. Well. You don't have to if you don't want to. I, I, okay. <laughs> um, so I think I'll, I'll pick one. Okay. Um, and it's one that I think is a little bit more polarizing. We do a... a since our homebrew days so this has been probably god we might have been making this beer for 14 years wow um, it's called campfire it's a smoked robust porter Ooh. and we take about 10 percent of the grain and we smoke it on applewood <gasps> um and the beer is a robust porter so it's that like wonderfully roasty sort of like medium bodied but with kind of like a touch of like a molasses flavor but it's the apple smoke that comes through i have to tell you like i hate like roush beers i just don't like peat smoke and i know a lot of people don't like smoked beers but i love this beer i don't know if it's like it's 6.4 percent. i don't know if it's like the alcohol that's like the perfect <laughs> i don't know but it it just like so good i just love it and we, we have it in the fermenter right now like every year at least they'll make it for me because my birthday is in october i'm like come on my birthday comes <laughs> that's awesome they have to make it i can't wait to try it that's awesome i feel like i need like a s'more in one hand and then the oh, campfire yeah. in the other you know what i mean well menu i said try it with a s'more oh sorry the label yes i love that um paul from instagram writes do you have any new beers for the fall and winter that you're excited about uh yeah we always do um let's see one thing that i've been pretty passionate about is like lower alcohol beers for a number of reasons like i'm a power lifter and a lot of times like i have to make weight and so i like a very conscious about what goes into my pie hole mm -hmm. and then also i moved farther i used to live at the farm and now I live in Durham, I live 20 minutes away. And like the last thing I want to do is like have a couple of beers after work and drive home. You know? Yeah, no, the bad, so bad. I'm just not into that. And as um, nobody should be. No so I should think be. that's a good PSA. Well, no, but I even mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I do like to have a beer after work. Yeah. And like it, anyways, long story short, like we came up with this beer series called Working From Home. And it, the beers are like, 3% or less. And it was sort of inspired by like 
COVID where everyone's working from home and like the big joke was like everyone's like drinking beer and like uh, yeah after like the 4 p.m zoom call you're like yeah, yeah. If there's any zooms after four you better believe there's a beer yeah. in my coffee mug yeah yeah so we have a series called working from home three percent or less and we have one coming out this week we have um rhubarb grown at our farm as well as we have some lovely customers that donate rhubarb and it's a belgian style um wit or white beer with mm. rhubarb and um i was just writing the tasting notes this morning and it's like that bright like tart um almost nose but it has like an underscore of like um like a sweet biscuity kind of malt (gasps) and then it's so effervescent and it's very light and it's very crisp and it has that like rhubarb tang oh and so with a little bit of like lemony notes so you want you kind of like want to take more sips and it's 2.8%, right? And I just love it. I love that it's 2.8%. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes I go take my dog very white, like hiking and afterwards I'm like, I want to have a beer, but I'm so tired. I don't want to like have a beer and like pass out. But like, it's like the perfect like post hike beer. Uh, It sounds like amazing day drinking lunch. Yeah. You want to have a beer in the middle of the day? Like, you're not going to knock yourself out with this. I mean, like have a beer. So that's, that's one that we have um, coming out soon. Um, we also have some really fun stuff in the barrels. Um, we have a pumpkin ale, which is called Gorgeous Pumpkin Ale. And we put last year's pumpkin ale, it's been sitting in an apple brandy barrel for <gasps> a year. And we just tried it the other day. And it has like, I know butterscotch is not like a good word with beer, but it's like this butterscotch. Why not? I love that I, word for I, anything. Well, I think some people think it's an off flavor, but in this scenario, it is absolutely not an off flavor. It works really well. And it's like li- that light pumpkin spice, like mm. coming through. And that one is super fun. We also have like um, from uh, Tam's work distilling, we have a bunch of bourbon barrels. We're putting um, uh, Russian Imperial stout. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds. Of, and then of course, fall is like, campfire which i just talked about it's our heidi go seek which we have in the the tanks which is our Oktoberfest, which i love like that's people love that beer because it's you know it's lagered but it has that like toasty notes mm. too it's not too malty we don't love overly malty beers we like dry more dry mm-hmm. so it's like walks the nice balance between like hops and like malt Oh, yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so thirsty now. And like, so you and I are talking for everyone out there in radio land at two o'clock in the afternoon. And now I'm like salivating for an effervescent <laughs> beer. I'm dying. I'm dying. Okay. Yeah. Sasha from Instagram writes or asks, where did the name for the brewery and the farm come from? Okay. I'll answer the farm one first. Cause that's easier. The, mm. the, it was always the Hobbs family own the farm forever and so it's just called Hobbs Farm and we said why change it um yeah if it's not broken why why yeah. change like like name in a boat you bad luck yeah change the name yeah the farm needs a name and throwback farm sounds funny but um the name of the brewery came because like when Annette and I sat down originally and talked about our vision and what we wanted to create we wanted to be like a throwback to pre-prohibition where there were all sorts of little tiny community oriented breweries that were like tavern like that you know used ingredients around them and they were just a really important part of their community so we kind of wanted to be a throwback to those times which ironically is now sort of what's happening everywhere like when we were the 13th brewery in the state when we started now there's like over 100 right wow so it's like 
but you know back then like that was the thing like we want to be like a community oriented tavern um and the second meaning of throwback is we like throwing back beers with friends you know rugby players like you know that's sort of like what we did is you get around you know play a hard game of rugby you go out with the other team you have a pint um it's just something you know we love beer and enjoying beer with friends and that special moment of like you know sharing and opening up with people over a pint um and then like you know as you know like way way back pyramid building times it was the women that made mm-hmm. all the way through pre-colonial america so at the time it was a, like a way way throwback to you know when women made the beer so three three reasons why we came up with the name throwback three important reasons <laughs> i love that sarah new hampshire writes it always seems like you have a lot of cool stuff going around the brewery do you have anything coming up this fall that we should know about so that's a tough one because there's like um you know covid's like yeah the delta it's a delta it's it's no joke i'll tell you that like shit's no joke no it's no joke and we're like do we plan do we not plan like what do we do um so far like we're we're not doing anything about this but there's a two women that own a um like a sports management company and we're planning right now hopefully the delta won't destroy it we're planning a halloween road race at throwback starting at throwback 5k um the thirsty goblin throwback very thirsty goblin 5k uh costumes highly required to be a kids run as part of that so that's something that we're looking forward to um, right now it's early planning on talking about an, an oyster event. We're talking early planning on like a reggae band. Mm. Um, oh, I launched a sausage brand like last year called Lady Sausage. Um, and, I love uh, that. Yeah. So we're going to be one year of Lady Sausage. Um, and so I'm going to make a whole bunch of sausage. I think October like 17th or 18th, one of those days. So yeah, we have a whole bunch of stuff going on in October. Um, awesome. And- yeah. And like, I'm sure you post everything on the website, the blog, yeah, and Instagram. Yeah, so that's pro and we'll, I'll link everything in the show notes, but I would say to Sarah, just keep your eye out for everything. Nicole's not shy when it comes to saying what's going on at the brewery. So you'll no, know, no. you'll be the first to know Sarah. We promise. <laughs> okay. This question just tugs at my heartstrings. Addison from Instagram with help from her mom, writes. I live nearby and love all the animals in the world. Do you have any new animals on the farm that I can say hi to? Oh, um, okay. We don't have any new animals, but in order of priority, Jane is our the tall female donkey. She'd be thrilled, <laughs> absolutely thrilled to say hi to you. She's very sweet, slightly sassy. Um, Rocky is her tiny sidekick. And he's also, he's the mini donkey and um, Rocky tugs at my heartstrings. Cause when we first got him, he, from a shelter, he wouldn't come up to anyone. And now like, I see him like come every once in a while coming up to like be padded by children. So Rocky would also probably be very happy. Our golden goats, Blanche, Rose and Dorothy. We still have them. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. But they're, they are getting really sassy and pushy so rose is the white one i would say hi from afar because she's been liking to like nibble a little bit um and then we have all of our chickens next year when we have revamp our farm plan we'll have pigs um once again but we don't have them right right now because they have gone to another farm in the sky yes exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but the they're not in the lady sausage. I promise. Yeah, yeah. Or are they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Poor Addison. Okay, that sounds awesome. Ronnie from Instagram writes, "What is your favorite beer that's not yours?" Oh boy, I never go out. Um, I know. I know. I hear you. God, that would have been so much easier to answer in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think back 2019. Uh, uh, I, that was 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. Right. It feels yeah. like I can't even remember what I ate for lunch. Never mind. No, uh, I know. Me I um, boop uh, or is there any, this, this is also a good opportunity. If there's a fellow brewery that you want to give a shout out to that you like, Yeah, I mean, my go-to always is, um, God, I love David Arrington. He was the executive brewer at Smutty Nose forever. And I think our beer style is just aligned. He likes his beers to me always taste like really, um, clean and, um, well attenuated sort of like what we like to do. And I've never had a bad beer from, mm-hmm. Dave. And so he, he's now, um, you know, head brewer slash partner at Chapel in Maine and Dover. Oh, cool. Awesome. All right. There you go. Um, Mary in Massachusetts, it writes, do you like cooking with beer and do you have a great recipe to use beer in? Uh, yes, we like cooking with beer. Um, gosh. Uh, so I, this would be a better question for our chef Carrie, but for me, like I use beer and a lot of the sausages that I make. So if you come to the brewery and, um, for example, like I just made maple bacon patties yesterday mm. and I finished them today. So I use local maple syrup, maple syrup, North uh, country bacon. Um, oh God, I use like that was so cool. I had um, huge buckets of parsley and sage from our farm that I put into the maple bacon patties. It was so awesome. But I put almost tribute, which is our black lager. So I do love to make a lot of mm. sausage. And I, um, Carrie's gonna, um, I just made also like a spicy bohemian, which is our jalapeno pilsner mm. um, brought with cheese and jalapenos from our farm. Oh, hello. So How like, you doing? Yes. That, so that, for me, like, that's a really good thing. But um, what would be easy, like, I'm going to speak for, for Chef Carrie, we do um, mussels a lot. And um, she steams the mussels in beer, which is very easy because it can be challenging to cook with beer, especially if the beer is a higher um, hop. Mm-hmm. IBU level because if you reduce it or cook it down too much it becomes very bitter but if you're steaming like steaming um mussels in beer like you get actually a lot of the beer flavor and aroma in the mussels without like a lot of the bitterness as well no it's great and like adding a few aromatics like you just said even with your sausages if you yeah. put some aromatics in with it too maybe like lemongrass dare we say yeah 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 <laughs> And it adds to it too. So I think that's great. And we can link a few recipes on the show notes for our friend, Mary, Jimmy, last listener question, Jimmy from Instagram's bringing it home. If you had to do this all over again, would you do anything differently? Oh, I know um, that was, that was a that was a big question, Jimmy, and a very big yeah. side from Nicole. You know, it's funny. Like people always ask me, like, would you have started bigger? And no, I, like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have given up that three barrel nano brewery 
experience because I feel like that allowed us to solidify our processes and our products and you know develop close ties with our core set of customers like who we still have today Mm -hmm. Um, I think looking back if I had to do anything differently it'd probably be like um I guess the biggest thing is we, so we were just a brewery, right? Mm -hmm. And we had Chris and Cheryl Parker, who is now running the brew school, uh, the brewery program at UNH. And um, we trusted those guys. We still trust both of them like a lot, right? And so when we moved over to the, the farm and we had never run a restaurant before, Annette and I spent a hundred percent of our time, like, on the restaurant, making sure that was successful. And it was like, you know, Chris and Cheryl, like you do your thing, <laughs> you know? And it's like back to the soft skills, like looking back, I was like, man, we should have been like more involved in helping that um, transition. And we did, but we should have done more, right? I think, and it's like, I think looking back, it's always like the HRA kinds of things. Like there's people that probably should have been fired earlier, but we were too nice. And, you, you know, there's things like that feel like, man, I should have, you know, for, and it's like, when you let someone go, like, it sounds harsh, but it's for your team. Like you do it. Like no one wants to work with someone that's not pulling. Them. No. And it's, it's also in that vein, it's, it's also for their higher good too, because they're yeah. not recognizing that they're miserable. And, yeah. and they're not oh, happy yeah. where they are. So they deserve to be just as happy as your whole team and business deserve to thrive too. You know, like, right. well, absolutely. Yeah. and just, you have more self-awareness and the wherewithal to be like, uh, this isn't working. It's like yeah. breaking up with somebody in a bad relationship. Shit's hard to do. Like it's That's not do. easy. It's hard to do, but you, I mean, you have to do it and yeah. like, your team will respect you a lot more for doing it fast and efficiently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, totally. Totally. So I, ha- I asked this to everyone. What are you currently making at home? I think the answer might be sausage. Cause it's literally <laughs> what you're making, yeah. but is there anything else that you were, cause we are a food centric podcast that you were making at home recently. Um, okay. I don't know why I have a little garden here, but I, I do because I have so much produce at the farm. Yeah. And but, you have so much free time to tend to your own garden. Let's well, be honest here. It's funny because like last year during COVID, I had, I moved to this house in October, 2019. Let's so like right before COVID hit. And once COVID hit, I was like, would go to work and come back, go to work and come back. Like didn't do anything else. It's pretty much the same thing like I'm doing now, but yeah, I, I dug a little, like a garden in my yard and like filled it out and grew some tomatoes and everyone made fun of me. Cause like, these are the craziest tomato plants we've ever seen. And I had a prolific tomato season and I'm a tomato like fanatic. So, um, of course I decided to replicate in last year and I was like, oh, I'll be better about pruning. And I was, but I don't know if it's the sun or the, my watering that I do, but they're out of control again. So I'm making after a hang up, I'm probably going to roast tomatoes. And I've been doing a tomato jam, oh. which is basically, I use like to do the cherry tomatoes. So mm-hmm. cherry tomatoes, like you can either put like mustard seeds or like rosemary, like uh, salt and pepper, garlic, garlic is very important, like yeah. roast it in the oven for like an hour. And then um, I mix usually either like sherry or like red wine vinegar in it. And then like this morning for breakfast, I had a English muffin with a fried egg, a little bit of ham and some of that 
um, tomato jam. Yum. I love it. So I'm basically making big batches and I'm putting them in little delis in my freezer downstairs. Oh my gosh. That sounds delicious. Yeah. I can't wait to snag a jar. Yeah. All right. Promote yourself. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, we try to keep, I try to keep the website updated. So if you go to throwbackbrewery.com, um, the events that we talked about for October, if all things go well, should all be listed there. Uh, Facebook is Throwback Brewery and Instagram is Throwback Without the Vowel. So T-H-R-W-B-C-K um, are really the main um, ways that we um, let everyone know what's going on here. Awesome. And very last question, if COVID wasn't a thing, which it isn't, it isn't, and you had all the money in the world, where are you going and what are you eating? Oh, uh, or drinking in this case. So where am I going and what am I eating? Okay. I've been dreaming a lot. Like before, uh, we, uh, before I went to business school, I went rafting through, um, the grand Canyon for like a week and I've been all around the world. I've been pretty lucky. Like I've been pretty much everywhere, but there's something about that trip in the like majestic views and the serenity and the can't have a cell phone and I was just like I love salmon I just thinking about like this amazing like salmon dish that they made like right by the Colorado River like that you pull over right that runs through the Grand Canyon and mm -hmm. just like, eating that and like drinking cold beer and like taking in the surroundings <sighs> so that would probably be either that or like uh probably like Kobe, Japan. I don't know. Something like totally. that. Totally. That's yeah. what everyone, everyone either says Europe or Japan. I swear. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the two. I, I agree. I totally food, food in Japan. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my so gosh. Good, right. Totally. And like, right from a train sushi, like a Uber train sushi set. There's like nothing like it. Oh, I know. Even uh, the David Chang or Anthony Bourdain going to the freaking convenience stores and eating egg salad sandwiches. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people. It's amazing. Yeah. Nicole, yeah. I can't thank you enough. This was such a pleasure. I can't wait to come up to Throwback and drink the hell out of that rhubarb beer. I'm coming yeah. on Friday, girl. <laughs> I'm snagging some. That sounds delicious. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again. This was so much fun. Oh, yeah. Thank you, too. All right. I'll see you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with us about all things beer. I don't know about you guys but I know what I'm drinking this weekend. <laughs> it's definitely some beer from Throwback Brewery. If you're in New Hampshire or somewhere along the seacoast in New England that's near New Hampshire, near Northampton, please swing by the brewery. Their food's incredible. The beers are even better. So go and support. And you can also buy their beer in a lot of local liquor stores and beer stores in New Hampshire. I will link all of their information in the show notes. Go to my website, elizabethrfuller.com for everything. Questions for the podcast, or if you want to get in touch with me about anything, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. This was so much fun as always. Make some yummy food for each other this weekend. Lead with kindness, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye!